previously on the Soulless Citadel. As you uncover all of the knowledge of your past life, and as we move forward, you will not be alone. By the honor of she, I swear to you that I will help you discover who you really are. Thank you, my friend. I need to talk to you about something very important, because I'm going to be heading on a special mission to get that apple. I've been compiling notes this whole time. I'd like to write a song for Faith. She sounds very heroic, so I thought it would be nice to grace her with a song. Thorn only needs one person. Someone who brings no more pain, no more suffering. If you can't feel pain, it's very hard to feel joy. When there's nothing but light, you can't see it. The light is more visible in the darkness. You know, at some point you're going to have to be honest. Not just with us, but with yourself. You press on within your head to figure out what it is that is giving you that ache, that unquietness. If there was a mystery, now you know for a fact. This is your old tribe. Throughout the vastness of the multiverse, there lies a tavern. As you approach its doors, you catch bubbles of laughter that rise and burst into cheers as colorful groups of travelers find comfort in their bonds. As you head inside, the smile of the tavern keeper greets you. They're an otherworldly being with a bluish corporeal form. They wear attire befitting of an innkeeper, and they have a large cloudy nebula for hair speckled with stars, which gently sways with their movement. Welcome to the Storyteller's Tavern, where stories are served like ale and a seat is open for you at every table. Tonight's special is the Sunless Citadel, an epic adventure of high fantasy with notes of friendship, danger, and most importantly, hope. Will our adventure survive to descend into the dungeon, or is there a dark and calamity taking root far from the sun's reach? You may do a wisdom save now. I got a nine. How does Thorn react in this situation? Thorn feels an empty abyss open in his stomach as he stares at just the everyday life of what used to be his home and a time that he isn't supposed to remember he starts to get that feeling again of that voice in his head that isn't the Marquis and isn't the thorn he knows today, but the thorn, a different thorn that used to exist. One that longed so much to just step back in to the life he used to have. And he feels a deep pit of sadness and even some envy as he watches the people go about their life and he just wants and wants so badly for that to be him. With that feeling washing over Thorn's brain and heart, you hear in the back of your head the laughter 
no, no, no. This will not do. You feel the fur almost bumping you in your back as if it was a cat just pushing their weight against you to make you notice their presence. Now, you can't have those feelings. You can't feel that way. You're supposed to be happy. I'm here to make you happy. Here, let me help you out of that. And you start to feel a certain urge, a certain desire to let go. But do you let go? Thorn feels a pang of guilt because as much as he trusts the Marquis, he just can't. He just can't let the feeling go. And that makes him feel horrible. But the longing is just swelling up inside of him. Then the Marquis notices what you're doing. I... Why do you want to be sad? You don't want to be sad. Come on, my thorn. I'm here for you. You really want this? Do you really want to know that these are your people? That these are the same goblins that attacked you earlier? That these are the goblins that shot you? And the same goblins that you killed just a few moments ago? Is that kind of sadness you want to feel? Can I do another wisdom save? Oh yeah, please. I got a 13. Sadness washes over you because your mental fortitude was not strong enough with the realization that the goblins that attacked you before was the same goblins as your tribe. And now, just to be extra mean, the Marquis implants into your brain the point of view of what happened. Now you not only see, you understand what took place in that hallway. What the party notices is Thorns looking through the keyhole of the door. He pauses and you can see that he's raised his hand over the doorknob, gently touching it, but not gripping it. But his hand is shaking very, very badly. And Thorn gets this very wide-eyed expression of someone who is just startled out of their skin. And you even see that he's shaking and trembling. And maybe even sweat is starting to trickle down his face as his hand hovers over the doorknob and just shakes violently. But he's very silent. I would say since Methuselah is right there, he would notice that Thorn is shaking and it's going to put their mage hand on top of Thorn's hand, just sort of resting in like a trying to be a, in a comforting way. And then they're going to say, Thorn. What is it? What do you see? Thorn speaks in the same odd voice that he had spoken in before. 
the one that isn't quite Thorn, but still is Thorn. And he goes, They're all there. All of them. They're just there. Who's all there, Thorn? Uh, the, the Huckleborns. With those, your people. He doesn't respond, but by the look on his face, you can tell the answer pretty easily is yes. At this moment, I feel like Morris is clued in. The stoic, mission-like expression he's had for the past few minutes just immediately fades away, walks over to Thorn and Methuselah and sort of kneels down. Are you all right, my friend? What's, what's happening? I could just open the door, you think, but, but what, what would happen when I stepped in there? I don't think they'd ever take me back. Well, you wouldn't be stepping through the door alone. But... And he goes quiet again, and he's shaking. I I could never go back. No, it's not just the exile, is it? No. No, it's not just that. It's... It's what I've done. I could never just step back in there. But I I want to so badly. You don't have to come back. You don't need them anymore. You're just fine as you are right now. You can be happy. You do not have to feel sad or empty. You just have to let me help you. You know what you can do? If we go through the door, you can go into Mortis's shell. You don't have to face them, but you can go through the door that way. Uh, are, are we deciding to go through th- this door? Erky approaches. Are we sure we want to go inside of a door that clearly seems to have people inside? <laughs> well, we need to find Faith. And she might be here. Mortis turns to Erky. This is important to Thorn. The decision is his. And he just kind of looks down at you. You must know, no matter what happens, as Methuselah said, we will be with you. And as for what you did, it was not you. It was that cursed voice in your head. The turtle is correct. We'll always be with you. I am always here with you. Thorn speaks, but... You can tell that he's not really speaking to you guys. He goes, What? What do you want to do? You will not have to see what hurts you any longer. That is all. What does that mean? I I need to know that no one's going to get hurt. Oh, don't worry. None of those inside of the room will ever have anything different. Their lives changed. I have seen Thorn not like in this voice really talk to the Marquis, but I do have this knowledge, and I'm gonna kind of in a snap hearing Thorn speak to pretty much nobody. I'm gonna be like, Thorn, you have to fight that voice. It's in your head, and it's telling you lies. It may keep you protected. But that doesn't mean it's not going to hurt the people that you care about. If you want to get over this, you have to face it. And you won't be doing it alone. 
As Mortis said, you have us, but you have to fight it. You have to be strong enough to fight this voice. At least this once. You must live for yourself. Be yourself. You have to make your own decisions. You can't let some evil force push you in whatever direction it pleases. You are so strong. I know it. I think I'm gonna let the dice decide with a wisdom save. Quickly as I see Thorn thinking, my hands are gonna float to my back and start playing a song. The strings are gonna go rainbow and I'm gonna get bardic inspiration. I got a 25. Oh! He closes his eyes and he says this internally. He doesn't say it out loud and he goes, Right now, I think that I will do it myself. Hmm. You're not playing nice right now. But if you want to feel pain, that's fine. We can always talk after what happens next. (laughs) And the voice starts to dissipate in the back of your head. Thorn opens his eyes and like is taking deep breaths, trying to keep himself from hyperventilating, and he nervously glances at everyone and goes, Are you sure you want to do this? I mean, they might just imprison us. Oh, I've sort of got a little plan. And then they're gonna take out this little jar of pink glitter. And then it's gonna be like, oh, this is a spell to disguise oneself. I can cast it on myself to look like an old friend of mine. And for the rest of you, I do have a disguise kit. I'm not sure how well it'll sort of translate, but my plan is we're a troop of entertainers coming to bring sort of tales of goblin heroism to this tribe and and give them a good sort of time because I imagine they don't get many visitors down here so I was thinking that we could bring them joy but also be on the lookout for faith as someone who knows my tribe to a certain extent would I know or alternatively what would I roll to know how they would react to something like this. I'm not going to make you roll for this. Um, You remember your tribe being very, very skeetish. Your tribe, as you remember, was a tribe of safety and isolation. So any outsiders were to be attacked or ran away because exposure was the biggest fear for this tribe. You don't know if things changed ever since. In a weird way, it has. Because they are much more aggressive now. But yeah, that's what your recollection is about. Thorn looks up at Methuselah and he takes his hand off of the doorknob and he goes, I don't really want to completely shoot your plan down, Methuselah, because I know you're trying to help, but from what I know about my peoples 
they don't like outsiders at all. Anything from the outside means danger, and even if we were to approach in disguise under this sort of illusion of being there for joy and entertainment, they'd probably attack us or try to scare us away or even worse, take us prisoner for the druid. Maybe... Maybe this is a stupid idea. And he knocks his head with his fist. Ah, so stupid. Why would I ever think this is a good idea? No, we shouldn't do this. Well, I was thinking more as a distraction. Some of us could come in and present ourselves as these sort of outsiders to get their attention. While maybe some others go look for faith and try to blend in the disguise kits. Uh, I just would like to know how, because I think your spell is only for you, right? I have a disguise kit. But how are you gonna make a six-foot-tall tabatsi and a very large turtle look like goblins? I've worked with worse things. Uh, I'm, I'm actually a six-foot-three. My friend, you're a very good bard, but as a bard, I don't think you're thinking this too well. The only person that could possibly pass as a goblin is me, and I'm very uncomfortable with that idea. Yes, but it's for a good cause. Not dying is a good cause too. We're not going to die. We'll make sure of that. His head, he's like, yeah, rich coming from you. <laughs> Thorn's gonna look and go, how about this? How about we just keep taking a look around, and then if we don't find anything else, we come back to here. That way we have more time to think on it, and that way maybe we'll be able to find some other kind of leverage. Methuselah, we'll, we'll be able to come back. I just think that. Let's not rush into things. I mean, you could use your spell to go inside as one of the goblins we. Uh, I mean, that has been. Mad an unfortunate end. And just walk in, look around, see if Faith is in there. We'll wait here. Uh, you know, we're safe. Uh, Faith doesn't know Methuselah yet, and I, I don't want to risk her. I'm not asking him to go and rescue Faith by himself. I'm asking him to go inside, look if she's there. If she's there, we'll come up with a plan. If she's not, we move on. <laughs> that might actually be an interesting idea. If you use your disguise kit, you might be able to make me look a little different. People recognize who I am but if we use the disguise kit then you and I could go in together take a quick look around only for a few minutes and then leave I suppose we could do that uh, wouldn't it be more suspicious if you guys went and looked around and then left well we would have to do it stealthily I imagine yeah well I mean I have experience with the tribe Maybe I can help us blend in. Also, act like you belong. That tends to help. 
I'd assume so. I, I know acting. I'm good at it. Mortis puts a hand on Thorn's shoulder. If this is what you need to do, then you have my full support. Even though I won't be able to join you in there, I'll be right here. Just give a shout and I'll come running. In the meantime, you guys can keep watch. Maybe even explore if you really wanted to. I think staying behind the door in case you need our help probably is better. I concur. Yes, I, I think it's best that we have friends nearby. Okay, um, well, um, make me not look like Thorn. I'm gonna use the disguise kit on Thorn again. Do a dexterity performance check, please. 24. Today, I'm my makeup is on fleek. Mifuzla, would you please tell me how you change Thorn? Do you give him a beard? Do you add like a patch eye on him? Like, what do you do? How I'm, do you embellish Thorn? I'm not gonna lie, I'd actually probably ask Thorn what Thorn would want. Thorn gets Mifuzla to tie up his hair and put it underneath a helmet and then probably make his clothes look less crazy and ragged and give him a beard to make him look older. Basically just make him not look as crazed and disheveled as he usually does and then the helmet that he wears hides his hair and his big old eyes just kind of stare out from under it. Uh, alright, so if you guys are gonna go and look for Faith, you should probably know what she looks like, right? Okay, so you see what I look like, right? Black, tabaxi, gray paws, you know, very fit for tabaxi. So, Faith, think Mortis is hot and swap my coloring. So, her paws are black and her fur is gray. Alright, now, she's still... She still works out. She's still a very fit tabaxi. She enjoys play as much as every other tabaxi. But she's got a little bit more muscle to her. She wears armor. Alright, she's very cool. You'll get, you'll get, you'll definitely get a vibe from her. Alright? Can you picture her in your head now? Yes, it's a very cool cat. Yes, um, inverted seeker. Yeah, exactly. Alright, okay. So, if you find her, don't do anything too crazy all right don't don't run up to her and start picking her up and swinging her into a hug not yet okay wait for that is there anything you want us to maybe give to her since we are not you know we don't know faith so is there anything that we can give her to know that it's people from her community seeker is gonna look down at their paw and pull off their signet ring and hand it to methuselah there's a little ticket. Uh, now you remember the significance of the signet ring that all the members of the temple wear it, right? It's got the cat lady symbol on it. Just tell her that it's mine and that I'm, I'm waiting just on the other side of that door, alright? If she sees that you have this, it, like, she will trust you. Seeker's gonna show a little inscription on the inside of the ring that literally just has their initials, S-O-T-W. Alright, see? In case... You know, she questions if it's a fake. It's not a fake, all right? There you go. Sounds good. Okay. Um, are you ready to do this? Yes. And then Methuselah's going to 
take the glitter and uncap it and then sort of put some in their hand and they're gonna throw it up in the air and as it comes down and sort of hits their figure it starts to change them so their skin sort of takes on this green tone and their hair becomes this muddied brown that's tied back into this braid that has different colored ribbons all tied into it there's like red and orange and yellow bright colors and they turn into a goblin that wears leather clothes with a lot of belts and these trappings that like tie them together and so they turned into ulysses a member of fool's fortune who was a very strange person to methuselah he was very odd like most of the members of fool's fortune all right after a nice transformation of pink light there are two goblins in front of you one a disguised thorn and another one a goblin that clearly is a member of a bard's troop oh yeah and they've got a lot of daggers very like seven daggers just all over them seeker is literally drooling over the daggers if i recognize this magic you just used you have about an hour now go in be direct. Don't need to be super fast, but at the same time, be mindful. Oh, don't worry. I can cast this again. I don't mind. Good luck. Thorn approaches the door, gently places his hand on it. He probably starts shaking again, but then takes a deep breath and turns the handle. And as you open the door very gingerly, you guys get through and... You guys get to finally see the inside of this goblin village of sorts. What once was the interior cathedral now resides as what it is a miniature city with stalls and tarps and tents creating the streets and little avenues where the goblins now live and socialize and go on their daily lives. It's a relatively small, but bigger than what you guys would have expected. Easily there is a good 60 goblins in here. It is important to say that in the very end of this cathedral, there seems to be a huge, huge clutter of carts, chests, wheels, almost like an entire caravan's worth of equipment and vehicles that are just tossed to the very end of this, as well as two other entrances towards your left side. So Methuselah's gonna kind of lean in to Thorn and be like, so I don't know Goblin, so if you hear anything, just let me know. I don't know if I'd have to roll Perception twice, because I want to look out for two things, but... I want to first look out to see if I can see any area within the vicinity that would allude to any sort of prison area. And then the second one is I want to just kind of listen in and tune into the conversations around me and see what people are talking about. Okay, okay. On this area that you are right now, there's no indication that there would be any areas for imprisonment. There might be further in into the little like city of tents and tarps that it is the goblin village but within this area that you are right now it's a little bit more open 
There is no placement, no stockade, nothing like that. You might have to go inside of the goblin village to see if there are any nooks or areas that are meant for like small imprisonments per se. I will allow you to do your perception for the listening as you go through, but just as effective would probably be an investigation check of the goblin village itself. So what do you guys want to do? Uh, I think I'm going to do investigation. I'll also do investigation. Uh, I got a 14. I got a 19. You guys start to make your way into the goblin village. It is very lively, full of little trades and little conversations, areas where food is being made. There are little goblin children running and tossing and traversing through the tents as if it was a huge circuit of obstacle courses. And it's just a livable chaos within this little area. It kind of reminds you a little bit of the Cobalt village in a weird way, where they're living their lives just fine and is very active and very alive in their own little way. Of course that there is its differences, but in its very core, it's just people living their lives. As you guys traverse, you guys spend a good 40 minutes to go on a satisfied search of the entire village. Rudimentary search, of course. In it, you guys have clear notion that there is no imprisonment areas within this goblin village. Any further exploration of it will require you to interact with the goblins. Maybe they are hiding something. You also notice that in the very back, where there was that amalgamation of carts and chests and stuff all from there, it seems to be what was the village's victims because these goblins have been known to attack people who are traversing the roads outside of the Sunless Citadel as well as those who went to negotiate for the apple of virtue or a slice of the apple of virtue and insulted the goblins in some way so that's very likely where a great majority of their items are could I do a perception check on the pile of trophies to see if there's anything that would relate to the sort of fashions or regalia from Cat Castle. Sure, go ahead. I'm going to use knowledge of past life. 17. There's just too much stuff, too much clutter. And most of it is containers like clutter. So there might be stuff inside, but without investigating and going through the stuff of this clutter of loot, you can't perceive anything that would indicate the village of Tom's Rest. I don't know if you've seen anything, Thorn. Um, it's not really much that would insinuate there'd be any prisoners here. We might have to talk to some of the goblins to find out more. With the investigation we did before, what was the sort of vibe that Thorn got from the conversations that they could maybe overhear while they were walking around. Great majority of it is day-to-day -day conversation. Just, oh, we need to get more food. Oh, there, there's water that we need to get on the underground levels. We need to repair this. We need to get that. Just overall conversations of families and trading between and doing their things among themselves. 
but a good 30% on top of this 60 is conversations about, oh, where's the next hunt gonna take place? Oh, should we start stalking that other area of the road path? Or there is that fork on the road that we could use for an ambush. There is a certain hostility that you start to notice that is deep within the younger adult group of the goblin tribe. Those that would be strong enough to defend the tribe, where before that's where their task, those of these age range would be meant for protecting the tribe in case of emergency. And now the focus seems to be a little bit more towards where to put their energy for easy pickings. And the last 10% that you picked with your role is conversations about what does Durna want to do? What does Geld want to do? And what is going to happen on the grove or the garden? So, to summarizing it, it seems to be a day-to-day -day life, but there is more aggressivity within the tribe. As well, a certain level of concern towards what the, you imagine the leaders of this new tribe is doing, together with whatever is going on in the grove or garden. Geld is a name you recognize. Geld is the name of the shaman's son who bullied you when you were part of the tribe. So you get that sense that Geld is now the leader. Do I recognize the name Durna or no? Durna, you have heard it before, but you have no idea who this person is. Thorn wants to sort of glance around quickly. He wants to try to find one of the kind of little groupings of young goblins who are chatting about the state of what's happening, more so leaning towards like, when are we going to attack next? Things like that. He wants to try to find a group of young goblins who are in those discussions. It's very easy. They stand out quite a bit for being some of the goblins that are wielding weapons or has weapons on them. While the great majority of the goblins here, they at most, at most, have a dagger. But the type of dagger that you would see using on day-to-day -day activities, cutting cloth, cutting meat, cutting rope, or other stuff like that. But these ones are wearing swords, carrying scrap as if it was a shield or a piece of club. Thorne's gonna approach one of the groups and when he does, he's gonna adjust his belt so his hand axe and his bow is a little bit more visible and he's gonna sort of puff his chest out as he walks over to them and when he gets over, he's gonna poke himself into their conversation. Since I know now that I've been in the Sunless Citadel before, can I do a, some sort of roll to see if I recognize this place? Do a intelligence, but you can pick between the religion check or just straight up history check. It's a dirty 20. 
it takes a few moments of you observing the area. Because a lot has changed, not only in terms of destruction and erosion, but also due to the changes made by the goblins within this place. But you still can recognize the small pieces here and there that activates your memory. This was once the chapel to idolize the Draconic Empire and especially the representative of the Draconic Empire within this keep, the Dark Warden himself. The huge clutter of loot is before it was the location for the Dark Warden to sit and listen to the people idolizing him in the mornings of specific days important to the Draconic Empire, where he would give speeches to his subjects. This place would be full and filled. Alaganforn, the representative and the head of the subjects, high priest of the Draconic Empire, he would be holding congregation and making sure that everybody knew how grateful they're supposed to be for the great Draconic Empire and the Dark Warden himself. These are the memories that comes into your mind as you suffer to stay standing still and listening to all of those moments. So realizing that I know this place quite well, would I know if there's any offshoot rooms in this chapel that they may be hiding people? Not really. This place was very decorated before. And the only big opening would be at the roof where the Dark Warden would make a dramatic entrance in every opportunity that he had to be in this place, as well as dramatic exit. But this place was very plain in itself. It served one purpose and one purpose only. What is the tone of the conversation as Thorn approaches? They're talking big game amongst themselves. They're talking about who is going to fight next, or who is going to be able to attack first when the opportunity strikes, and how many of them will capture people so they can bring it to Durna and become a more dangerous warrior. Thorn goes over, puffs his chest out, and goes, Did you guys hear about that tabaxi that was captured and is being brought to Durna? They look at you. They check you out, like, slowly, just to see what kind of person is this talking to them right now. Yeah, you look tough. Yeah, that was a few days ago. We had some fun picking them off. I think one escaped. It was because of this asshole over here. And he slaps the guy. Oh, my aim was just off. It was very dark. And it started to get chilly. I had to sneeze. Yeah, sneeze. Yeah, that's what you call it. Then he looks at you. Yeah, that was a few days ago. We had fun. We poked them. We beat them. And then we brought them to Dorna. Thorn nods and goes, Well, uh, your aim is kind of sh. A unison laughter takes place 
as the one is all feeling like, mm, no, don't say that. But everybody else laughs at that. And he goes, what's your name? I don't remember you, but you're a cool guy. My name is Niporu. Niporu? Sure. Hi, Niporu. How many have you killed yet? I've killed just about five. Oh, nice. Nice. We ourselves, we're along the, you know, low tens. Uh, that guy over there, he killed three in one go. He was his first time, too. Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, nice, but uh, these prisoners, they've already been brought to Derna. That was fast. They're not going to take any more time to torture them or have some more fun with them. Uh, apparently, well, and they look around and stuff. And one of them's like, don't say it, don't say it. And then he goes, well, I'm not afraid. I heard that the outcast, the druid in the grove, he was looking for people, looking for strong people. And considering that that human killed at least 10 of us and the, and the cat, the cat did some weird stuff that lit up the place and then it really like singed us. They seemed stronger than most. We not only had to, you know, beat them to make sure that they would not resist. We had to bring it to Durna. And we're pretty sure that Durna saw how strong they are. So I think they are down there in the grove. That was like a few days ago or something like that. How deep is this the grove? I've only ever heard it in passing. And they look at each other. They well, nobody here has ever gone there. There's only a handful that go strongest fighters. That's why we need to do really well next time that we go out there and make sure to get people so Durna can see that we're strong fighters too. And of course, Durna herself, she can see the, the outcast, but not. She's, you know, strong. And Geld, Geld too. But Geld had, was tough and he had to, you know, beat up Dooner. But Turna was really tough, and although she defeated Geld, she actually kind of liked the guy, so now they're strong together, and that's the whole point. Oh, so the garden, no one's, no one's really been there. I, I hope I get strong enough to be in there, but uh, it's deep, deep in the citadel, I've heard. Yeah, I heard you had to go down about like 11 different floors. And each floor is more dangerous than the other. And then the other one goes and hits. No, bro, it's a chute. You have to slide down the chute for about 30 minutes. But you have to be very careful because if you don't slide at the right angle, spikes that were put there will pierce you. And only the strongest can be agile enough to go around the spikes and then uh, they start like talking to each other and saying this weird stuff about like one more makes less sense than the other about how dangerous it is and only the strongest and the most agile and Duna's favorite can go down there well I know that we're all strong enough to go down there and meet the druid all we have to do is show Duna yeah yeah that's the, that, that's the trick we need to be strong and we need to get some of these lazy surfacers yeah I don't know why my grandpa was telling me that we hid from them. We could just, you know, attack them. We are so much faster. 
we can hide really well. They never see us coming. Yeah, yeah. Right, and then everybody starts to pumping each other up, basically. I better get going. I have scouting duty, and if I'm late, then it's going to be my head on a platter. Yeah, 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 that's true. We had that other guy. Yeah, man. He had to go feed the dragon. <laughs> he hasn't returned anytime soon. Yeah, yeah. And then Thorn kind of starts backing off. Like, yeah, yeah. And he, he goes back over to where Methuselah is. They are still just talking to amongst themselves. But yeah, you approach Methuselah, who is slowly just waiting there. Now, Methuselah has actually been wandering in the vicinity, not straying far enough where, like, Thorn wouldn't be able to see them. He's just admiring the architecture of the place and just reminiscing with the memories of having to listen to a dragon speech and the praise of a dragon constantly. Thorn approaches you from behind and gently places a hand on your back and keeps walking to sort of put you into the rhythm of his step as he walks and he leans close to you and goes um i i got some information i i think i might know where the garden is where they're taking faith and and the warrior that was with her the garden what, what do you mean about that uh there's a druid's garden uh, deeper into the citadel uh, apparently it's only accessible through one specific way. Um, that's all the information I was able to get. I see. I was wondering if I could ask a small favor before we leave. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. You see, the reason that I'm here, it is for the apple of virtue. I need it to help Chrysantha, and I would feel terrible if I lost the chance to find it here. I, I want to keep on this mission to find Faith, so I will do that, but if there's a chance that I can find the apple here, it would help. Oh, um, I don't know if it's here, but I could try to turn on my good old charm and, and talk to someone. That would be really helpful, thank you. Thorn's gonna pause and glance around and he wants to find a group of warriors, but not one that looks as seasoned as the one you talked to. One that maybe looks a little bit younger, maybe a little bit more naive. You're able to spot one and this guy over here is going through a set of movements as if they were practicing, but it's clearly just swinging a piece of wood that they are acting as if it was a club. Thorn is talking to himself and he doesn't think Methuselah can hear him, but Methuselah can hear him and he goes, okay, okay, the charm, the charm. And he does the same thing. He kind of puffs himself up and shows off his hand axe and he walks over to the young warrior goblin and he goes, hey, uh, I got a question. Ah! Have you heard about any more shipments of apples? I heard some of the others wanted to head out, try to swindle it to some of those stupid uh, surface dwellers. Uh, uh, no. Uh, the the portion of apples that the slices that we were given were already given this year. Oh, really? Oh, then that idiot must have misplaced them. When was the last time you knew where they were? Let me know. Well, uh, 
It's Dorna who keeps them. She's the one that gives it to people to, you know, go outside and and either like get it for a bunch of goy or or take them. It's a she gives about like five or six different slices, but they give it to like leaders of and she makes groups. And I, I mean, I'm gonna go to one of them next year, of course. But this year already happened. I don't know if she has more. Durda's tent, and he kind of looks towards the village. Uh, no. Durna's room, and he points towards one of the two doors that is on the other side. Then that idiot did misplace them. Well, don't you worry about it. I'll deal with it, and make sure next year, when you get in your group, we don't see you misplacing any of them. Okay, yeah, sure. Uh, uh alright, yeah, I will. Also, your stance is kind of off. You want to widen your shoulders. Okay, like this? And he's just winging this as widely. Perfect! And then he's going to turn and walk back over to Methuselah. So, did you find anything? Uh, this might be a little bit more complicated than we thought. Um, the apple slices are distributed by Derna. I think she's one of the leaders of the tribe, as well as Geld. And it seems like at the beginning of the year, she distributes the slices to groups of goblins, of head warriors that lead different troops of soldiers to sell these apples and fool unsuspecting people who try to buy them. Apparently, if there are any left, they'll be in Derna's room. And he points towards the door. But I... I I don't know how successful we'd be in just going in there and trying to take some. My guess would be that if we wanted to get pieces of the apple, we'd either have to get them from Derna, or we'd have to get them from the source. From the garden. If you want, I'll allow you to do an intelligence check mm-hmm. to realize a few things. I got a natural 20, so that's a 22. A. You notice the door that Thorn pointed to, picturing the hallways that you and Mortis opened. It's kind of in the same direction. So maybe the paths that you guys opened before might lead to the same place. If you're lucky. You sort of remember this area due to the fact of how consistently you had to stay here. That room, it's one of the paths to a lower level. A path that can lead to the garden. Do I know if there was a tree in the garden with apples? You are certain that there's no tree in the garden with apples based on your memories. So it seems that, you know, the doors that we were going through before. Yeah, which which ones? The ones that I believe Mortis and I were looking at, it might lead to where we need to go to get to the garden, as well as Durna, Durna's quarters. Uh, You know that there is a path that way? Yes, I've taken that path before. Oh, yeah, you've been to this place, and I guess... Oh, I really didn't want to see Derna or Geld. 
I, I guess there's no other way for us to go, but uh, we should go talk to the others first and make a plan. I agree. Hey fellow D&D and TTRPG nerds, this is Kayla Lundgren from the Potions and Potpourri podcast. Myself and my co-host Keisha are just two gal pals who like to hang out and have casual conversations about Dungeons and Dragons and other TTRPGs. Our show is loosely formatted, but we like to talk about a variety of topics relating to Dungeons and Dragons and TTRPGs in general, plus we do the occasional live play. We interview guests from the TTRPG space, and we also do improv creations where we make things up on the fly together. We give lots of tips and tricks, as Keisha is our resident DM and Kayla is a forever player. So if you're new to the Dungeons & Dragons or TTRPG realm, or you've been part of this realm for a while and you want to learn some new tips and tricks, or you just want to listen to some goofy gals chat about Dungeons & Dragons, come find us wherever you get your podcast. Potions and Potpourri. Greetings! You have reached the end of the episode of the Sunless Citadel. Thank you so much for listening. Subscribe to us on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. And be sure to catch our next installment of the Sunless Citadel every Thursday at 12 p.m. EST. If you like the show, please consider leaving a review. It's a small way to show your support. That goes a long way. To connect with us, follow our social media accounts. And if you would like to support us, you can head over to our Patreon as well to join the conversation view sneak peeks of Ornette's project and discover our fantastic bonus content. Our intro score was created by Patrick Horton from Off the Beaten Path musical. The Sunless Citadel can be found in Tales from the Yami Portal by Wizards of the Coast. The world of Nosamundas was created by Pedro Stockler. Thanks again for listening from all of us here at the Storytellers Tavern. <coughs> <coughs>